What's shaking, cats and kittens? Thank you for supporting my podcast and my sustaining partners. I want to tell you about one of them right now, Charmington Holistics. Do you know what an apothecary is? Well, an apothecary makes and provides medicines. Charmington Holistics specializes in all natural herbal remedies and is an apothecary. So, what's ailing you? Can't sleep? Got a stomach ache? Got the blues? Well, head on over to Charmington Holistics where you can find herbal support for anything you need. A personal blended tea, herbal tonic, and supplements can offer you an alternative to that Advil bottle while an in-house herbalist listens to your needs as well. Charmington Holistics is your source for all things herbal. Head on over to 425 South Conklin Street in Highland Town or visit Charmington Holistics on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok. And Charmington Holistics is open 12 to 5 on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Head on over, check them out, tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in the Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and this is on MTR Podcast. My next guest is the co-owner of a family-owned business, Pure Chocolate by Genji. Please welcome Genji Frazier. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy to have you here because this is, uh, this is, like I said before, this is something I've been trying to make happen, and it's going to make me seem like I'm smarter than I <laughs> I'll start working in chocolate factoids. Like, yeah, you know that the first blah, 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 blah. Oh, you're take, you're eating only 75%. Oh, piss posh. <laughs> so thank you for making me elevate myself a little bit. Um, so if you will, for those who are uninitiated, can you give us the, um, the vital stats? Like where'd you grow up? Um, what, what's sure. the business? Like I can give the very general, but what's the business and how long have you been in business? Yep. So, um, Baltimore, Baltimore is where I'm from. I went to school out in Indiana. I went to Indiana university for undergrad, came right back home and been here ever since. Um, we've had the business now going on, I guess, nine years, um, almost 10 years old, which is crazy, crazy to think that that much time has passed, but that's where we are. We, we started in my dad's house between my dad's house and my house. And shortly thereafter, we opened up our, um, retail brick and mortar at Belvedere square market, where we are still found today. So, so how did you, you get into, I think I read something about this was, um, kind of like one of these inside family and friends only kind of situations that developed this. Is that true? Well, it, it, I'll put it this way. I never intended on opening my own business. I never intended on starting a business. Um, and certainly never in chocolate, like everything came as much as a surprise to me as it did to anybody else at the time. Um, I was actually working in nutrition and, um, along the way, I just very serendipitously stumbled upon a postcard that was advertising raw chocolate classes. And I thought, oh, well, you know, this could, this could potentially like enhance my nutrition counseling business. So I'll check it out and I'll see what's up. Um, but that was in June of 2012. And we had our first wholesale customers for chocolate in September of 2012. So just a couple of months later, it all went really, really fast. That is really fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of, kind of starting off with um, like, Oh, this seems interesting to you. Okay. I got orders to fill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And especially because we didn't have like at the time, I didn't have any experience in business ownership, entrepreneurship, never in my family. Um, so this was a, this was a, um, pioneer's effort. So, so speak more on the, uh, cause I've read that there's, um, some nonprofit background retail and, um, the nutrition, uh, like nutrition, like background as well. So are any of those, um, are any of those like skills that you've like taking from like the work in those areas being applied to like kind of you getting started and transitioning to the, the business of making chocolate? We always say you never know what you're training for. So I think that every experience that I've ever had absolutely comes into play in a multitude of ways all the time. Um, my first job out of college was working for, uh, the Maryland Center for Arts and Technology. We were training out-of-school youth to get their GEDs and to get jobs. We partnered with um, several different employment agencies around the city that that helped us with that with the placement. Um, and then after that, I was kind of doing this and that. I was doing working with someone who was building websites. Um, I hadn't had any experience in websites, but I kind of picked that up along the way of working with him. Um, and that kind of in a crooked road kind of way led me to Under Armour. Um, and so that's where I worked for a few years. And that was my last like job job before before this one because in between that and this I was doing nutrition counseling but and I had intended on that being you know a much longer road than what it ended up being but um that was only for a few months before chocolate came into the picture so it wasn't a straight line but I think that it all informs you know what we're doing now I mean in the beginning we would not have had the capital to hire someone to build a website, for instance. Um, so I was able to do that and, um, marketing stuff I had picked up from working at Under Armour and just like, you know, just little things like that, that all, that all, um, served us really well. Yeah. I think in being in that kind of, um, entrepreneur space, and I, I kind of apply it to what I do on this. It's like, I don't have the capital for most things. So yeah. it's getting on Google University and trying to learn a few different things to make up for it. And I think when you're able to scale and grow, you're able to take what you've learned and doing it yourself to when you're bringing in a contractor. It's like, yeah, I know what I want. And I can actually speak on it. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's something that really works out. And even bringing in stuff like I definitely have brought in some of my marketing background and doing marketing for Verizon at one point. It's like, how can I apply this to podcasting? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely get where you're coming from there. So now we can get to some chocolate questions. Those are the, the questions right, that, that people have. Uh, so this is good. They're going to sound noobish. Um, but, uh, how, how is chocolate made? I, 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 I specifically, how is your chocolate made? No, no trade secrets here, but how is your chocolate made? And what are some of the, the different types of chocolate? I think, you know, as I was joking before we got started, I think we encounter commoner chocolate all the time and don't really get into conversations on quality, purity, things of that nature. Um, and it's a lot of like milk chocolate or white chocolate, which is, 
not a thing. Um, so, so how is chocolate made and what are some of the different types of chocolate? Um, yeah, so we, um, <laughs> we've made it different ways over the years. Right now we're um, elbow deep in what's called bean to bar chocolate. So what that means is we partner with a particular farm or several farms. Um, our part of our ethos is that we work with family owned farms and or women owned farms. Um, and uh, we bring in beans from uh, right now we're working with Trinidad. So we bring our beans over and then, I mean, and that's, you know, the, even that's after a two to three week process of drying and fermentation. And before that, a several years process of cultivating crops. So it's already been through quite a journey before it even gets to us. But once it gets to us, and then we roast our beans, um, we have a roaster and then we um, need to separate the hulls of the beans from the insides and the insides are what are called the cacao nibs. So we're separating the hulls from the nibs and then we take the nibs and we grind them down into a paste. And then that paste then can be mixed with sugars or flavorings or whatever we want really. Um, and depending on what that is, will determine the length of time that that takes, but it can be anywhere up to three days of just grinding and grinding and grinding in a stone grinder. Um, wow. And then it's ready for whatever our use is, whatever our end use is. If it's making drinks, then we're pretty much ready to go at that point. If it's for making bars, then we need to go through a tempering cycle at that point. Um, and we could make truffles and pralines and fudge just depends on whatever we want to do. But, um, that, it, that all sounds pretty like complicated, but if you really put it into the most rudimentary terms, all you have to do is heat the beans enough to crack them and separate the hulls from the inside and then grind them down. So, you know, as, we travel and we see other cultures and other people, people do this. You don't need big fancy machines in order to make it work. It can be over an open fire and using a blow dryer to blow the holes away from the nibs. So it can be done a multitude of ways, but that happens to be the way that we do it most often. I like the way it described. I'm taking notes because uh, I'm going to have my own. It's like, you know, it's a new kid in town. Like, here's my chocolate. It's like, this is this hole isn't isn't something that's not correct. Um, but yeah, I like that. It's the, the way that you were describing it is very like you can do it anyway. Almost this this MacGyver kind of vibe. Like when people say there is a specific approach to how you do it, it's like not nah, nope. rudimentary. This is what you have to do to make nope. this this work at its base level. Yeah, so I like that. Um, and you touched on um, Trinidad and, and some of the farms and those relationships. Um, so are there other regions that really stick out that you've worked with? And in that, I guess, in that question, are there different flavor profiles that come with a bean from one area versus another? And is that something that you're really looking for at a certain time? Like, I want this more robust flavor versus a more subtle flavor. Yeah, you know, the ones that we get from Trinidad really have a very nice citrusy um, 
a citrusy flavor to them, which you don't always get in, in cacao beans. You'll, you'll hear fruity, which is like super general. But I think that what that means is more of a like berry profile, not necessarily with the, as much of the sour note to it. Um, uh, but Trinidadian beans definitely have a very sweet citrusy, um, experience to them. We've worked with Ecuadorian beans for the longest period of time up until this point for the first several years of our business. Um, and those have a floral note to them can be a little bit more earthy, um, and lend themselves really well to the more playful, like novelty chocolates, like, um, pralines and, um, truffles and that kind of thing. What we're using now, I really like for bars and for tempering, the flavor just translates in a really, really beautiful way. Um, I'm actually looking forward to, um, to, I guess, um, shift the question or the answer a little bit beans that I'm looking forward to using, um, are Guyanese beans from the country of Guyana. I'm looking forward to digging into those at some point, hopefully soon, but you know, with travel and everything, the way that it is, it's going to take a while before we can get out and really start building relationships again. And so, so is like travel a component in helping like have a better idea of where your chocolate is coming from? Like, I would imagine most people listening, myself, we up like me up until recently, kind of having an appreciation and understanding of, oh, this is where this ultimately raw material is coming from and being made into the bar that I'm consuming. So could you speak on why it's important to kind of know where your chocolate is coming from and having relationships with these uh, different farms? Well, that's just it. It's the relationships piece. It's, you know, the way that it tastes and the flavor notes. What I mean, I'm of the opinion that we don't have to really relate chocolate in these like highfalutin ways that we would typically talk about wines um, or spirits or that kind of thing. It's it can be a much more um, common and nostalgic conversation like the flavor of chocolate. A lot of times will just remind you of an experience that you've had in your life, or it'll remind you of a smell that you remember from your mom's kitchen or, you know, something like that. It just takes you on a trip in that way. Um, but travel, the point of travel for me in, for really, I would think most food industries and perhaps most industries as a whole, um, it's for the relationships and to understand the labor and to understand the, the dedication and the commitment that the people on the other side have, because it's the only way, I mean, I can tell you all day, but until you go and you see their hands and you, um, you know, shadow for a day and you see what really goes into it. And, um, you know, what, until you see all of that and you experience that and have conversations and, and that kind of thing, you, you really don't know what you're eating or why you're paying what you're paying or, you know, any of those kinds of questions are really hard to, to answer and to process without, having a clear sense of what the relationships are with the farmers. 
Yeah. And I, I think like, I think a lot of people is lost upon them. Uh, who, who, who those people may be like what the profile of these people are like, Oh yeah. You know, this chocolate comes from everywhere. It's like, it can be bought anywhere, but there was a Brown and black people that are, are actually doing a lot of that, that processing. I think because your average person is so far removed from it, they don't have to think about what goes into that, that chocolate that they may be getting. So I think, really having that that conversation of working with places and and farms that have a certain dedication and have a relationship with them to know are you good to your people are you good with your people what's the climate there things of that nature i think is important Mm -hmm. for sure so i read that uh pure chocolate by genji tells a story Speak more on this. Speak more on the story that's being told with the chocolate. Is it like, you know, Braille, you know, like crunch bar style? Like what we got? Like, what are you talking? The flavor, the story is in the flavor. We don't create a flavor without having a story behind it. And there's no, the real reason for that is just that it creates a more authentic experience for us making it. Um, which then imparts a really nice energy into the chocolate when you are then enjoying it. Um, and it becomes a circle like that. Uh, so the stories are to, uh, fulfill that just creative need that us as makers have. Um, and then it, it's, it's a nice thing to be able to talk about. It's a nice thing for people to get to know us through. Um, so if we, our latest one that we did, um, the last one we did was, called five ears and that was um our flavor story or response to um the supreme court not getting involved in the um abortion ban so it can be a story related to in this case politics or it could be um it could be a point of nostalgia or it could be what we've heard or seen or smelled or touched. I mean, they could really be literally anything that we just feel like we want to tell. Um, but that being said, it's, it's always, it's always something. It keeps it fresh. It keeps it current, relevant. Um, you know, I think as a small business and as a food business in particular, you've got to find a way to keep your business relevant and fresh. And we do that through storytelling. Well, that's, that's what I try to do here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I, I dig it. I think that's, that's very important. And it shows that, that element of what a uh, social responsibility and just kind of knowing like, well, you, you, sure. You guys like this chocolate. This is part of what we're about. So yeah, this no is doubt. everything that's in there. And um, yeah, you're going to learn something while you're eating this chocolate or what have you. Uh, so in that, in that same, um, I guess, vein, um, how often are you encountering people who like don't really know a lot about chocolate and in that what what's that common question that you might get like or common fact that you that most people aren't aware of when it comes to chocolate maybe we can think we touched on maybe where it comes from and who's involved with it but what's something that people just seem to be not really aware of when it comes to chocolate most people don't know a lot about it i mean the 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 constant juxtaposition or the constant just irony of chocolate is that it's something that you've experienced and you've had for your entire life. 
like from it's some of our earliest memories, right? Like people have really super duper early memories of chocolate being in their lives. And yet it's totally shrouded in mystery. Like people don't know where beans come from, that there are beans even involved, that there's a fruit that's involved, um, that there's a several thousand year history that's involved, that there's serious ancestral conversations around cacao. And, um, and even within these conversations with experts, anthropologists and, um, various other people in the field, other scientists, there's, there's just a lot of mystery because it is so ancient and it's so old that there is no written history. It's, it's, it's a matter of finding artifacts and traces of cacao within and, uh, putting together the best that we can from there. But but nonetheless, it's, that's what it is. It's just that I think that people don't even know. And by people, I mean, really all of us, it's hard to even know what questions to ask when you're dealing with something that is so just sacred and, 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 and ancient, we don't know where to even start with the questions. Um, but you know, aside from that, that's like a deep dive, right? Like aside from that, just like on a surface level, um, people these days, I feel like lead with their dietary constraints or diet dietary concerns. That's, that's what people lead with. And then they hope to fit things into that which isn't the worst idea in some cases. Um, uh, but it'll just be, well, how many calories are in this or how many calories are in that? How much caffeine is in this? There is no caffeine in chocolate, by the way, that's a good one. (laughs) Um, so, so yeah, you know, people are who they are. Yeah. I, I used to, um, but I was doing this really regimented like diet. I would always have like kind of like dark chocolate in which I later learned wasn't the best quality dark chocolate, but I would have dark chocolate there. If it was just like a down day, it's like, oh, I feel man, man, man. and just pop a little bit in there. Almost like, yeah, it's a mood booster. This is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think some people don't really even talk about like, like that. There's like, certain principles that I've like read about that. Oh yeah. Chocolate's a mood booster in some, in some ways. Right. Right. And it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it is, I mean, all things aside, it is for sure a superfood. I mean, it has, uh, so many mineral qualities, so many, um, just so many, attributes to it that no other food on earth has. Um, and there's only a handful of foods like that, but cacao is one. And I, and I find like, and maybe this is just me speaking out of turn here, but I find like when we get further away from 
what the thing actually is, whether it be chocolate, whether it be a certain type of cuisine that's not necessarily American or what have you or, or here, we like to try to make it ours and it makes it not as good. So like if you're having like I've had conversations with people from like like China, like I work with and like yeah, American Chinese food is a Chinese food. So it's like, all right, I feel like I feel like the same thing is that with like chocolate. It's like, can I go to the plug and get some cacao? It's like, no, we had chocolate, though. Now I want some cacao. I want to. I want to do my own spinning and make my own paste. I want to heat it up myself. Nah, you gotta import that. All right, then, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. It's a thing. So, uh, I want. I want to. I want to ask this, and this is maybe, uh, I guess, a question that help people have a better eye for for chocolate. They're not going to your place and buying some. You're a delicious chocolate, obviously. But um, what separates good chocolate from great, and what separates that for maybe bad chocolate what are some of those qualities that you might encounter or someone might see and it's like nah you you know you might want to stay away from that one i think that the only limiting factor in that question is how transparent is your chocolate do you know do you know who grew the beans who grew the fruit who grew the pods do you know that do you know how the maker treats the people that did that? And do you know the conditions under which all parties are working? That's the only thing. It has nothing to do with flavor because the flavor comes and goes. I mean, you can, anyone can have a bad day. Anyone can have an off day. Um, and as we've discussed we really have very little to do with the flavor. There's different points along the process that we can influence it. Like through the roasting, you can influence the flavor through the grinding, depending on how long you grind it for different flavors um, can come through. Yes, that's all very true. And um, the more experience your maker has in those processes, probably the better it will taste. Um, so it could be a fun experience to go to someone who has been doing it for a long time, but, um, good chocolate and great chocolate is a fine line. And, um, I think it has just a lot to do with how people treat one another within the chain. That's, that's legit. Uh, so I did a talk chocolate tasting I was talking about earlier and uh, it was like pairing, uh, I guess, this Colombian chocolate with coffee. And really the key thing that I took out of it was this kind of mindfulness when, when tasting it, not just let me put this in my mouth and get it into my belly as quickly as possible, but really in enjoying it and savoring it. So I'm curious about any like recommendations because I'm, I'm, you know, read that you're not the biggest chocolate person. You like it, but you don't love it per se. Uh, but I'm curious about any pairings that, that you're aware of that people have like, yeah, I like to do your chocolate with this. I like to have your chocolate as part of my, uh, charcuterie plate or, or whatever that, that situation looks like. What kind of pairings, uh, have you heard? And are there any that you would recommend? That's a great question. Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's a really, really great question. I think that whenever you get a couple of partners from origin, from source that that's always going to be a powerful pairing. Like some of the favorite ones that we've done is like, is something like, you know, a very simple tempered piece of chocolate. So like a bar um, 
that's then melted in like a corn soup. Um, there you're, you're dealing with two Kings. You have cacao and you have corn and that's where the whole story started. And it still makes a lot of sense today. Um, so that's one of my favorite, favorite things that I've heard. And then also like in that same vein, uh, like a potato soup, even like whenever you're just dealing with these heavy, ancient ingredients, they always just go together. They know each other. They belong together. They share an energetic source. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's that. And then of course there's spirits. I mean, chocolate, whether it's mine or someone else's, you can have a good time with different spirits and you can always find a, a good partnership there too. Um, I think that Mezcal is one of the best ones and that goes back to partners at source. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's, it's whatever a person likes too, but yeah. those are some of my favorites. You, you, you sold me on a mezcal right there. Cause it's like, I, I like the smokiness. So yeah, you know, I'm get, I'm having things to try. It's going to be mixing it up. It's like, look, I got this corn soup. I'm, you know, a little, a little chocolate on the side. Be good with that, right? I'm saying it's pretty good. I, I mean, I, I do this podcast mostly to steal from other people. I don't think they realize it yet. <laughs> it's like, what can I learn to make myself seem more interesting? Um, but speaking of which, uh, I, I heard you might have um, an unusual hobby. So I want to talk about any um, unusual interests or hobbies you might have. I love that. I don't even think I have any hobbies. Tell me what my hobby is. I heard something about an interest in numerology. I did hear about oh. that. Uh, I have a numerology book in the crib too, by the way. I, I have a very, very, I love numerology. Um, I very much, I always have paid attention in numbers my whole life. And then in probably like the last like five, 10 years, I've just, taken a deeper dive into it. And then also a couple other modalities that like include, that includes numerology in them. And, um, yeah, I am into that. That's so funny that you, <laughs> that you were hip to it. I am totally into that. <laughs> I, I, I did this little like search. I started just like, um, one of my buddies at a job I was in, I was working at Loyola. He had mentioned, I got to do the numerology on that. Let me find this person's information. I was yep. like, what is this dossier? And he started just going through and he's like, yeah, a lot of even numbers in here. And, uh, he's like, huh person has nothing but sevens in her record i don't know <laughs> <laughs> like wow and he was like yeah rob i did yours yesterday i was like what's mine he's like huh fours and h you good <laughs> i was like what is this <laughs> so it's, it's it was interesting when i read that um, yeah yeah so so um and this is this is the last question i had before i get into my rapid fire ones uh and I, I think bringing it full circle back to Baltimore, that, that you're a Baltimorean and, and um, you're, you're here. So people are coming here and trying to make their uh, their bones, as it were, uh, and, and be a part of the scene here. Um, and I want to know, like, if there's a piece of advice you would want to share with someone who's either in business or who is in that, that art space, because I think what you're doing is very artfully inclined as well as being in business. Uh, what a piece of advice would you give for someone that's in business or in art hoping to make it in Baltimore? Um, well, Baltimore specific is just that 
we're, we're like a bunch of hustle. Like we just, we just grind. Like, I feel like more than a lot of other cities, it's, it's, it's also a lot of respect. And I know that even within the industry, like when we see one another, like really working hard and we see one another that that's just like putting out a good product and, and, and being kind and just like doing good work. Uh, we want each other to win. Like we'll be behind each other a hundred percent and really want each other to win. And then it's the same thing, like between, a business owner and the community or the neighborhood or the people that they're trying to serve. It's just like people notice here when you're doing good stuff. And if you believe in what you're doing, then they'll believe in it too. I think that my business is an example of this. And I can probably think of a few others also where I'm not sure they would have worked in another city. Like Baltimore is very, very special in that if you have a good idea and you work hard at it, like we're here for it and we want to see it do well. And we are really interested in diversifying just like the offerings and whatnot in the city. Um, so I would say that, and then just general advice for anyone that um, is starting a business is just to make sure you always leave, leave the door open, right? Like if you do well, make sure someone else is doing well because if not, then what did you do? So keep the door open, send the elevator back down. That's, that's a very, both of those are very important pieces. And uh, yeah, yeah, you're going to see those people as you come back down. So yeah, just yeah. Be, be mindful of that. Uh, so that's the conclusion of my questions outside of these uh, rapid fire ones. And I want to real quick, uh, rapid fire essentially goes, um, I, I'll ask a question. It's kind of like, eh, the answer is the answer. If you want to add more context, feel free, but you don't necessarily have to. Uh, so it might be a question like, what's the last song you listened to? Something like that. Um, so I've got, I got five of them and uh, let's, let's see what we got. All right. Uh, what is your desert Island food? Coconut. Favorite book. Bluest eye, Tony Morrison. Favorite neighborhood in Baltimore. Sorry, <laughs> because this is an audio medium, your eyes so like, <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> Favorite neighborhood in Baltimore. How about props to the one I live in, Laraville? Okay, that's legit. Favorite movie? That might be another one. <laughs> oh, favorite movie is... Um, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, yeah. Andy was a tall drink of water. Uh, and uh, favorite uh, travel destination. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't include something about travel in there because I also am a traveler that's annoyed that I can't get out there to where I want to. But what's your favorite uh, travel destination that I've been to? Uh, or where do you would like to go next time we c you can travel? Favorite yeah. that I've been to is Haiti. Where I want to go for work is Guyana and where I want to go for pleasure is Bali. Thank you. You're, you're off the hot seat. Those are, those are great answers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I want to invite you and open you up for uh, any um, uh, shameless plugs you want to put out there. Where can you find your social media website, all of that good stuff. And thank you so much for being on this podcast. Oh man. Thank you so much, Rob, for having me. Um, I, I'm, I apologize. It has taken 
so long to get to this point, but I'm really glad. I always feel like everything is right on time. So yes. hopefully here we are. Um, I don't have any shameless plugs. You can, you can find me on the internet, but I always say that the point of what I do isn't to sell chocolate, but it's just to tell a story. So I've done that today. That's great. Um, that's, that's the first time someone's like, yeah, yeah. You know, I like to do what I do. <laughs> Other people are like, yeah, check out my show. Here's my record, Patreon. I got an OnlyFans if you're trying to get that as well. It's like, wow. All right, dude. No, nope. <laughs> uh, I'm good. I'm grateful to anyone who's listened. Well, thank you so much. Um, so for um, Genji Frazier of uh, Pure Chocolate by Genji, I am Rob Lee saying that there is food in and around Baltimore. You just have to look for it. <laughs> <laughs>